Well, hello everyone. I am your host, Colton Prater, and this is the Fires of Revival podcast. And as always, I'm honored that you would take the time to listen to today's episode. And for today's episode, I'll be giving a brief devotional thought from the Word of God, just taking a break from having our special guest and things like that. But I will tell you, we have some encouraging things coming up, some uh, great guests coming on. I'll give you a list of people here just so you can kind of keep this in your mind. Sometime here, hopefully in the next month or so, we'll be getting uh, evangelist Caleb Garraway uh, coming up here in a little bit. Uh, Pastor Kerry Schmidt, he'll be coming up on the podcast. Uh, my good friend Garrett Lamb, who's the host of the Young Fundamentalist podcast, will be on soon as well. And then a few others that were still in the works. Just kind of give you a little bit of a tidbit of what's coming up here in the future. So some exciting things, exciting interviews, exciting topics we'll be talking about and things. And I would encourage you to get on board and start listening and catch up on the podcast and that kind of thing. But before we jump into our brief uh, challenge from the Word of God, we'll open up with a word of prayer as we always do. And as I'm praying, I would encourage you to pray in your heart as well. Because here's the thing. I can pray and that's great. But when you begin to pray, God will begin to work in your heart and He'll answer those requests if you spend time on your own praying and asking God to work in your heart through this devotional thought. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity for me to record this uh, Bible message. I ask that you'll be with those listening, that they'll take the principles here in this, Father, that they'll just get some spiritual application and just get some things that they can apply to their life, some spiritual nuggets or so forth, and that you'll just use it to draw them closer to you. And in your Son's name, amen. So if you have your Bible, we'll be in Acts chapter 9. So the book of Acts chapter number 9. Acts chapter 9. We'll begin reading here through verse number 1. We're going to be looking here at the conversion of Saul and how that Saul, the great persecutor of Christians, got saved and later became Paul, the great person that God had used to write many of the books of the Bible and how God has used him greatly. So we'll look here at Acts chapter 9. We'll begin reading through verse 1 through verse uh, 3 here. And it says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest, and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound under Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. So Saul here is on his way to literally go through and kill Christians. He's on his way to Damascus there. He'd received letters of Christians he had to kill, and he was the great persecutor of Christians. He was there when Saul was, uh, not Saul, but when Stephen was was stoned and martyred for the faith. He was there to witness that with his own eyes. And here he is the next chapter or so later on his way to go kill some more Christians. It says in verse 3 that suddenly there, sh- there shined round about him a light from heaven. So this light comes out of nowhere and just blinds him. And we'll see what happens in verse 4. Verse 4 he says, And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? So this light shines in his eyes, blinds him so bad, he literally falls off his horse, falls off the mule, whatever it was he was riding there as a mode of transportation. He falls off the thing. And a voice, and if you have a red-letter Bible, these words are in red. It says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? So Jesus Christ is literally speaking to him, saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he gets Saul there at a point where Saul didn't see coming. Saul didn't know this was going to happen on this journey. God gets him by surprise and just throws him off the horse. And he has a come-to-Jesus moment, if you will. And then in verse 5 it says, And he said, Who art thou, Lord? So Saul's asking who it is, but he acknowledges who it is. And the question is, Who art thou, Lord? Then it says, And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. But that phrase there, I love it, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. If you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. You have Christ in you, the hope of glory. You have that in your soul. 
And when a Christian is persecuted, you're literally persecuting Christ himself. And he acknowledges that by saying, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. See, Saul thought he was just martyring people that were getting in the way of God and people that were just on some kind of religious fanatic trail for this crazy Messiah guy or so, whoever they, that he believed Christ was at the time. But at this point, Jesus says, look, I am Jesus. I am the Messiah. I am the one you're persecuting. And, that, and you're persecuting me when you persecute these Christians. There's some profound truths that are in that as well. And we'll look here at verse 6 here. See what Saul has to say to him. He says, and he, and he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And then verse 7, And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. Verse 8, And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Verse 9, I'll read this last verse and we'll talk some more. He says, And he was three days without sight, neither did, neither did eat nor drink. So this experience literally revolutionized his life. It rocked him to the core to the point that it says that he couldn't see. And he, as, we'll see, as you see on in the rest of the story in chapter 9, he couldn't see for a couple days. He didn't eat anything, didn't drink anything. He went to Damascus. And then God later sends a uh, servant of him, and an, uh, a man by the name of Ananias, and he set, tells him to go to Saul and to heal him of his blindness. And then later he gets baptized and he's filled with the Spirit and Paul begins to do great work, or Saul begins to do great works and he becomes Paul. But here's the thing. This is what, you know, so far I've just kind of explained the story to you, explained the background, but I want to explain to you, show you the application, how this applies to us. See, that experience that happened to Saul, see how great that was? You know, he goes blind, can't see for a couple days, gets knocked off a horse and is healed of his blindness. That's the thing that happens to us. Maybe not literally. Maybe you might not literally be thrown off a horse when you get saved. And I know when I was six years old, that wasn't the case for me. But it is a picture there for us. That's the same thing. We get knocked off our world. We get brought low. We realize how wicked we are. We realize that we literally are nothing. And then God heals us. He says, you know what? Your sins are sending you on your way to hell, so I am going to purify you and cleanse you of your sin. Or purify you of your sin, excuse me. And in our sins, we're blind. We can't see. But then God heals us of that blindness, so to speak, spiritually speaking. There, He begins to heal us of our spiritual blindness. And now we're on our way to heaven. Now we're a Christian. And we'll see here what happens here. In verse 13, it says, Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. So Ananias begins to argue with God. He's saying, God, I don't want to go heal this man Saul. He's going to kill me, persecute me, and you're just sending me to my deathbed, if you will. But, as we'll see in verse 15, it says, But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my namesake. So we we'll see here, at this point, Saul is a Christian. He says, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. God is saying, Look, this man who's killed hundreds, if not thousands of Christians, is a chosen vessel. God has a purpose. God has a plan for him. And he says, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. So God has a plan, a purpose for Saul. And that's the beauty of the gospel. That's why the gospel is so important. That's why we must be sharing the gospel. Because the gospel, God's power through the gospel can take the most wicked person in the world. He can save them, send them on their way, and they can be a great preacher. They can be a witness, and God can use them greatly. I think of Saul as the prime example of this. He would be our equivalent of... A, a Hitler or someone like that who's killed all kinds of people and did all these atrocious things. 
Saul was that. And as we see here, and we won't look, turn there, but in 1 Timothy, he mentions that he's the chief of sinners. Yet God's grace saved him. God's grace changed Paul's path from a life of sin to a life lived for God's glory. And the same thing happens to us. When we get saved, we go from a path of sin to a path for God's glory. That's all, friend, we must be witnessing. That's why we must be sharing the gospel. Because you never know what that person you're witnessing to could do. God may use that person that you think is not them. That person you may see down the street that's an alcoholic or doing all kinds of terrible things. You may think, you know, they're not worthy of the gospel. But here's the thing. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for their sin. No matter how wicked, no matter how grotesque it is, God sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for them. And God has a plan for that person. And if that person yields to the gospel, that person gets saved. God can do so many great things through them. That's why, friend, we must be witnessing. We must be gospel-minded Christians. We must be gospel-minded people because you don't know what God's power can do in that person's life if they'll just yield to him. I guarantee you Ananias had no idea what would happen to Saul when Saul got saved. He probably thought, you know, this guy's just going to get in with the Christians. He's going to fake it till he makes it, if you will, and then get in close and probably kill everyone, and we're all just going to die a martyr's death because we allowed this man Saul to get in our ranks because we fell for his ply, fell for his plan, but it was the opposite. The last half of the book of Acts, from uh, Acts chapter 12 on to the end of the book of Acts there, and then the rest of the Bible for the most part, the key figure outside of Jesus Christ, obviously, is, is the life of Paul. Paul is the key figure of the New Testament outside of Jesus Christ and Peter. And God uses Paul in a great way. And he uses him because he got saved, because Paul allowed the gospel to change his life. Because Paul said, you know what? This gospel that saved me, I owe my life to this Savior, and I'm going to give my everything to him. And God used him greatly. Ananias probably had no idea what Saul would be doing with his life. He probably had no idea what Saul, what would become of Saul. And he had no idea that Saul would do all the great things, all the miracles, the books of the Bible, the letters, the churches started, all that would happen as a result of him just yielding to God. Because if you imagine here for a second, if Ananias hadn't have yielded to God and hadn't done that thing to Paul, or Saul at the time, I should say, then many of the things that happened with the life of Paul probably wouldn't have happened had Ananias not yielded had not yielded to God. So that's the important of us as Christians. We have to be soul winners yielded to God. We have to be people that are constantly giving the gospel because you never know the power of that next track you give out or that next conversation about God that you have or that next person you witness to, that next kid on your bus route, that next coworker you talk to about the Lord. You have no idea what could happen to that, what could become of it. Ananias had no idea. But look at the fruit that's rewarded to Ananias' account on behalf of all the works that God used Paul to do. Because Ananias decided, I'm going to yield to God, and God used him. Something as simple as that, just sowing a seed, just yielding to God. And Ananias is reaping all kinds of fruit in heaven as a result of the life of Paul. And as it mentions there, in verse 7, this is, I love this right here. It says, Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. I love what he says. And he said, Brother Saul. I love that. You know, Saul went from a persecutor of Christians to a brother in Christ. He went from the worst of the worst to a son of God. He went from someone who's unworthy to be a Christian by our own merit because he didn't earn it. None of us can earn it. But because of the gospel of God's grace, he goes from a persecutor to a preacher. From a terrible, wicked person to being used of God, he becomes a brother in Christ. And when someone gets saved, they become a brother or sister in Christ, and that's beautiful. That's a wonderful thing, you know. 
If you're listening today and you're a Christian as am I, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We have that unity. You know, We have the hope that one day when we die, or if the rapture comes before that, we're all going to be in heaven together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And the same thing here, when someone gets saved, they become a brother or sister in Christ. And I love this, this unity. Brother Saul, just how he puts that right there. And it says in verse 18, And immediately there fell from his eyes, as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose and was baptized. And when he had received the meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. And then I love verse 21, this testimony says, But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests? So everyone recognizes, everyone knows Saul. He's a celebrity in the community, if you will, but a celebrity for the wrong reasons. He's known as the persecutor, the killer of Christians. And now all of a sudden he's preaching the message of the Savior that he was trying to wipe out, that he was trying to stamp out. And I just love that, the power of the gospel changing his life. And, you know, you may be a saved person and you may have gotten saved many years ago and you've, grown, you've gone cold in your life and you just haven't served God with the same passion you did in the beginning. One of the best things you can do to change your life is let the gospel change your life. Is just get a hold of the gospel and just start witnessing. And just start sharing the gospel and watch it change your life. It'll help you grow. It'll challenge you in your faith. God will encourage you. He'll bring fruit in your account. And your Christian life will go to new heights as a result of just simply witnessing. And the same thing here with Saul. Saul was a persecutor of Christians. Christ came in. He got saved. He becomes a brother in Christ. He gets baptized. And next thing you know, he's out preaching the gospel. The very Savior he was trying to stamp out here a few days later, he's out telling people about Christ. He's saying, look, the Savior that I tried to stamp out has now saved me, and I'm a part of that lifestyle. I'm, I'm a Christian now. And that's the great thing. That's why we need to be sharing the gospel, because you never know what that person you're witnessing to is. So... An application to us today, you're probably listening wondering, you know, how does this apply to me? I'm already saved, you know? I'm already a brother or sister in Christ. Well, here's how it applies. So this is where the rubber meets the road. As, wit as Christians, we need to be witnessing. We can't quit witnessing. I know COVID's changed things up and made it a little more difficult, but we still have to keep trying regardless. We still have to keep pressing on regardless of how hard it is. And witnessing isn't going to get any easier. It's going to get harder from here on out. So we have to keep pressing on, keep witnessing, keep sowing that seed because you never know who that next person you might witness to is. I think of the story of D.L. Moody. It was his Sunday school teacher. I believe it was Ed Kimball. Don't quote me on this. So you can look it up on yourself and on your own to double check here. I didn't have this in my notes. It kind of just came on me spontaneously here. But I believe it was Ed Kimball. And he was the Sunday school teacher of D.L. Moody. And uh, he knew at the time D.L. Moody was lost. So he said, you know what? God had convicted him and he knew he had to witness the D.L. Moody. So he goes to D.L. Moody's workplace at a shoe store, and it said that he had to muster up the courage to witness to him because he was so scared. He would walk in the store, walk out, walk in the store, walk out, and it took several tries, and he finally goes in, musters up the courage, witnesses to this young boy, D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody gets saved, and as listeners, I'm sure you know very well what all D.L. Moody did with his life. D.L. Moody saw hundreds of thousands get saved, and he was well known as an evangelist in England, in America. And it was saying, it said that him and his uh, evangelistic team were able to bring revival into both of those lands and bring an evangelistic thrust in both England and in America. And God used him greatly and did all kinds of great things through his life. But here's the thing. Edward Kimball had no idea who he was witnessing to. He had no idea beforehand all that D.L. Moody was going to do. He just knew that D.L. Moody was lost, and I have to get the gospel to him, and that's my job. 
And God can use you as an Ed Kimball, just giving the gospel, just show, uh, sowing the seed, just planting seeds, just watering them, just helping people grow in their Christian life. Because you never know what could happen with that seed. You never know, and it could be the next, not saying they're an apostle, but the next person of the magnitude of someone like Saul becoming a Paul, or of a D.L. Moody, or something along those lines, or a Charles Spurgeon. You never know who that person is you're witnessing to. You don't know. But the great thing is God knows, and God will reward you. So we have to be, as Christians today, sharing the gospel. We can't just quit. Because there's so many people, God wants to see the whole entire world saved. And the only time we can quit witnessing to quit witnessing is when the entire world is evangelized. And I can guarantee you that's going to take years and years and years and years of trying. And it pro- honestly probably will never be done. But that doesn't mean we should quit. That means we need to keep pressing on harder than ever before. Keep pressing on with a renewed vigor to see souls saved, a renewed gospel vision. So today as Christians, today as listeners, uh, today as friends here, I just want to come with you. I know it kind of explained a Bible story that you're all familiar with here with the life of Saul becoming Paul and his, the road to Damascus and the conversion there. But just want to remind you of that, the power of the gospel, how it can change lives, and why we today as Christians need to keep sharing the gospel, why we need to keep witnessing, because we never know who that next person we're going to witness to that's going to get saved and what they're going to do. So just keep pressing on, friends. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity for me to record this message. Thank you for those that have been faithfully listening, Father. I ask that you use this message to impact and change their life and to make a difference in their hearts. And in your Son's name, amen.